Welcome to the Compete Every Day podcast, a weekly show to help you harness the power of competition to be better than yesterday. Hear each week from performance leaders, coaches, and experts on the benefits of competition and how you can use it to win at work and in life. And now, your host, Chief Encouragement Officer at Compete Every Day, Jake Thompson. That's right. We're back with a brand new episode of the Compete Every Day podcast, helping you harness the power of competition to be better than yesterday. I'm excited this week to welcome to the show entrepreneur and personal trainer Kyle Brown as he gets to share his incredible journey over the last 15 years and how he's been able to positively impact people from a variety of platforms and stages. In addition to being a public speaker, a stand-up comedian, Kyle is a successful entrepreneur and the brains behind Fit365, a grass-fed whey protein that personally I've become a big fan of. Kyle shares the numerous ways he's positioned himself to be comfortable being uncomfortable. And despite having a nervous tick, despite some circumstances that most people would use as excuses, how he's been able to excel, step forward, make progress, and ultimately win, impacting others. It's lessons in leadership that all of us can look to and apply to our own journey. Whether this is your very first episode with the Compete Podcast or you've been listening to us from day one, you're in for a treat today. But first, I have a quick favor to ask before I dive into the show. If you enjoy today's episode, can you do me a quick favor and leave us a rating and review on iTunes? Leave us some notes and your thoughts. That helps other people discover the show. It helps other people find the Compete Everyday podcast, get connected to the community, and more importantly, provide them with the resources so they too can be better than yesterday, just like you are. You are a great competitor, and we need more people listening participating and interacting in the community, more people just like you that want to make an impact, that want to be a great competitor and need additional resources so that they too can be better than yesterday. So pop open your iTunes app, your podcast app on your iPhone, leave us a quick rating review. That's all I'm asking. Now, I know why you came to the show. You are ready to compete. You are ready to be better than yesterday. And so I am excited to welcome to the show, Kyle Brown. Kyle, welcome to the show. How are you today? Fantastic. Thanks for having me. Man, this is a lot of fun. We got connected through a mutual friend. Uh, and so I know a little bit about your story after you and I, what was going to be a couple minute intro, ended up talking for 30 minutes to an hour, just catching up because we're so aligned on a lot of the things that we do and think. And so tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, uh, what you do now, who you are. So I would say, first and foremost, uh, I am a very busy entrepreneur, father of two, uh, health, fitness, lifestyle advocate. It is my passion first. And fortunately, I was introduced really young to this whole process. Uh, so I don't have a uh, fat to fit before and after. I more used fitness as my tool to help me deal with things like uh, anxiety, depression, uh, shyness, and other tools fitting in as a kid 
to really help elevate me to where I am today, which my background, I've uh, been in the industry for about 17 years. I've done personal training fitness for celebrities, pro athletes, rock stars, rap stars for a very long time. Uh, Now I work as the CEO of Fit365 Shakes that we launched back in 2005, uh, as well as uh, CEO of... uh, Strive for Fitness, where we have programs like uh, Fit CEO and a couple different projects. So a lot of diverse stuff within the health and wellness industry. And I've been very fortunate to really just go into a full-blown personal development path for a very long time now and uh, really focus on serving others. Dude, I love it. What inspires you most about the health and wellness industry? Uh, I would say it's one of the few things in life where you really get to be in tune with your body as well as learn that you're not just your body. It's a pretty cool process to really get immediate biofeedback, step away from just being a responder to what's going on on the outside and really learn how to uh, understand what's going on on the inside. And there aren't many things in life that you can do to quickly change your state but i think fitness is to me you know one of the best next to comedy dude i love that and and that's obviously something uh another path that you and i talked about in terms of comedy and some of the things you've done getting out of your comfort zone in terms of this entrepreneurial path uh and and positions that you've put yourself in into better tell your story better equip and change lives uh, have you always been just a very action-oriented, get-after-it type of individual? Or, or was there a turning point at some point in your life that kind of shook you a little bit and, and spurred you on to action? You know, I'm going to say both. Uh, my first nickname ever was The Tank, given to me by my aunt when I was crawling. I would come up on an obstacle and I would just try to figure out a way to go over it, around it, whatever. So she would always call me the tank because she thought it was hilarious just the way that I was just so determined. And those have sort of always been my two words that people have been using to describe me as dedicated and determined all the way through my few days in corporate America, if you will. Um, but uh, the reason I say too cold is that uh, just like everybody else, I have those certain, uh, I'm a, I'm a thinker. So I get stuck in analysis paralysis a lot where I'll catch myself overthinking something and just have to stop, catch myself thinking about what I'm thinking about and just go do. (laughs) And, uh, it's almost like that CD back in the day. That was your favorite CD that had skip on it during your favorite song and just realize like, wait a minute, you know, I like this song and all, but I got to get past it. And uh, that's something I've worked really, really hard to do. So uh, let me ask you how you've trained yourself, because as someone that can struggle with that as well a little bit, uh, there's different things to be more self-aware, which it sounds like you are. You you catch yourself in that line of thinking, but it's obviously a continual growing process. And I know some people listening may be stuck in that phase where they're aware of themselves needing to take action and get after it, but it's still a little bit more of a process. What are some of the things that you implemented or started to implement in your life to make you immediately start moving once you became cognizant of that hesitation? 
So I was always go, 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 200 miles an hour, work hard, work hard, work hard, but I would still be stuck in certain levels. Uh, and I realized that it's not always just about pushing through. So what I would do is uh, I, I would say I've actually incorporated three major tools into my life that taught me how to slow down in order to be able to speed up, right? It's kind of like changing gears in a car if you're going full blown, but you're really only in gear three. If you switch to gear four, all of a sudden you've got a whole nother level. And this is coming from a guy who's never learned how to drive stick. But uh, I realized that you could really make a bunch of those shifts. And for me, the three things I incorporated into my life that have helped me learn how to stop, slow down, not take things so seriously, and also just get big picture thinking are one, meditation. Uh, I practice uh, transcendental meditation 20 minutes twice a day uh, as religiously as possible, um, just realizing how much that when I feel like I'm so busy and I don't have time to meditate, I have to meditate the same way I do with working out is that, you know, it's not like people are like, oh, you're in the fitness industry. You're working out all day long. I'm like, no, part of what I do is get paid to help other people work out, but I'm not training with them. It's more like serving ice cream all day long. The last thing you want to do is serve more <laughs> ice cream. We serve an ice cream, an ice cream shop, but making sure that I get that meditation in to like give myself that sense of not being my body and not being the project I'm working on and backing away from all of it. Uh, the second thing is EFT, like emotional freedom technique realizing that a lot of this just block stored energy is, is keeping me stagnant in these thoughts where I'm stuck on that loop. And then the third thing is uh, just stand-up comedy. That was probably, you know, I've been speaking professionally since 2003, but stepping into a place where I can learn how to observe things and not take things so seriously uh, was, you know, I, I worried about things like heart attacks, or just any of the other ill effects of stress. And people used to think I was just way too intense um, because I was just go, 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 go. Okay. You know, I didn't understand what anything less than hundred percent was and stand up comedy just got me to sort of look back at things and not worry about image or what others think about me or anything at all. And just learn how to just sort of laugh at all the things that I used to hold so sacred and <laughs> more realize that it's just all part of, uh, you know, a great comedy, just like the draft. So uh, let's I w let's talk about that because obviously you know you and I share that uh, we both speak and you know ninety what is it ninety five percent of people fear public speaking more than death is kind of the the joke that runs. What was that first? What was your first experience like standing on stage doing stand up? Like was it oh, was it so something where you were just nervous? Did you? Did you bomb? Like, like, what was that like stepping out there into something new? Well, I will say even before that, I have a slight tremor that I've always had as a kid, which made me say, okay, you know, I've got family members who are in the medical community and surgeons. I instantly ruled that out when you don't have a, a slight precise hand. So speaking, I remember I was a shy kid and when I would speak uh, and hold note cards, um, my hand would shake because I couldn't hold that precision. And then you add in the adrenaline of nerves. It was super amplified. So I remember doing one speech where my hands just sitting there shaking so much. And then my voice started shaking and uh, that could have easily held me back. And I just said, okay, it's just get those 10,000 hours and then get those reps. 
But when I went from just your typical corporate speech into stand-up, it was such a giant change because uh, I had to really take the hardest route to stand-up ever. Because typical stand-up, you can swear. You say things that no one else would say that would create huge shock value. And those are like the easy base hits and the doubles in stand-up. But for me, because I was using it not to be a comedian, but to motivate kids, because um, I was speaking for kids all over the country, I couldn't swear. I couldn't be depressive because I was talking as a motivational speaker. So all that left me with was observational humor, uh, you know, Jerry Seinfeld style, but really around health and fitness and lifestyle and, and overanalyzing stuff. So for me, when I got up there, it was just getting used to that. Like, okay, I'm out of my comfort zone. I'm not in a place of power like I am if I'm talking to somebody about things that are in my wheelhouse of fitness, nutrition, whatever. And, uh, you know, I, I had those initial nerves, but I turned it more into just excitement. And since then, I've really learned that anything that we are not naturally gifted in, that we suck at, which is really pretty much everything for everyone. You have those rare anomalies where somebody is phenomenal at something, time number one. Uh, it's just an opportunity for growth. So, like, I just started doing daddy-daughter class, dance class, and we just did a big performance, and I was sitting here going, like, okay, uh, this is totally out of my comfort zone. I can't dance at all, but I need to do this exact same thing, which is step up my game, and uh, just have fun with it and go playful out. So it's just like that with comedy. Dude, I, I love that. And so obviously working with people, one of your goals, in addition to getting them healthier, getting them more fit, is, is obviously getting them out of their comfort zone. That's a big part of training individuals of where they are, where they're comfortable being, but yet they have these goals. And, and so it's getting them through that gap, that chasm between the two. What are some things that you found successful in terms of encouraging or motivating someone to get a little more comfortable being uncomfortable like you are and like you've talked about, you've done in these different instances? Ooh, that's a really good question. Um, you know, uh, a lot of people say what abs are made in the kitchen. I really think abs are more made in your mind way before you even step into the kitchen. So the first thing I like to do, just like I would with any sport, is I like to play the game in my head first. Uh, the more you start studying both personal development and the mind and mental toughness and fortitude, the more you understand that so much of this is a mental game before it ever becomes a physical game. Um, and I just kind of refer to anything that you do that's outside of your comfort zone as a game, uh, <laughs> including pretty much every facet of life. So. I'll sit back and I'll say, okay, I'm going to go do something that's totally out of my comfort zone. Like we'll just use the daddy daughter dance class as an example. And I was again, that kid in junior high school who was super glued to the wall when other kids were dancing. Um, just cause <laughs> I just never had, uh, had had any practice or skills with it. And back in, you know, I'm 40 now. So back when I was in junior high school and high school, dancing definitely wasn't the cool hip thing to do that everybody would do uh, uh, the way it is now. So I'm glued to the back of the wall. And then now I've got to step up my game and get to a point of, of doing this as an adult. Uh, and, 
going through that process, I'd say, okay, let's just sit back for a minute. And I have to first walk to the table with excitement and a little bit of humility, not sitting here going, saying over and over again, I'm a horrible dancer. I'm a horrible dancer. Like you're just strengthening that fact over and over the more you believe it, just like any other aspect of personal development. Even if it's something you don't think that that's big of a deal, it is a big deal because you're making it concrete in your head that you suck at it. Like, no kidding, you're not good at it. You haven't really done it yet. You haven't mastered it. It's just like the kid who's picked last in basketball because he never played basketball, and then all of a sudden he becomes good if he puts his heart into it. So I said, all right, you know what? This is going to be fun. This is going to be different. This is going to be exciting. And then I'd take a little bit of time and visualize the process going through it, including knowing that there's going to be some mistakes in it because perfect the enemy of good. And I just focused on having fun with it and not taking it too serious and like what my real purpose is, just like any other action in life. Like what's, why am I doing this? Am I doing this to be a good dancer? Am I doing this to connect with my daughter? Well, I'm doing this to connect with my daughter and maybe learn a little bit of how to dance. And I think anything that you come across in life, um, most people, I think the first problem that they have is they're like, oh my God, people are going to be looking at me. People are going to be laughing at me. People are going to be judging me. No, they're not. Nobody of substance is going to take the time to judge you. And most people who have no substance are so insecure, they're focused on their own flaws, not your own <laughs> or not yours. So it's, it's something where, no, they're looking at themselves being self-deprecating. So if they see something about you and make a comment, it's because they've been spending all their time making those same negative comments about themselves in their own mind. That's true. You know, sometimes we paint this like doom and gloom picture in our head of what everyone else is thinking, yet everyone else is, a lot of people are thinking the exact same thing we are. And, and you know, they're, they're not even concerned about what you look like out there because they're thinking about what it's going on in their head. And, and the confident individuals, the ones that are able to push through that a little bit and understand like, what is the real reason I'm doing this? It's the guy that uh, is going into the gym for the first time, doesn't, you know, is really nervous. They're, they're a little bit, you know, scared to be honest about not knowing what to do. They haven't hired that trainer yet, but, but they're going in there and they're worried that everyone else is going to look at them and, and laugh at them. And for the most part, most people in there are so much in their own head and in their own zone of, of focusing on what they're doing, that it's, it's kind of irrelevant um, to a lot of degree that the mental aspect of talking yourself into doing it and taking action and focused on what you're doing and why you're doing it is always more important uh, than that. Uh, so uh, let's talk a little bit about your jump into Fit365 uh, and your desire to create products that can impact other people like your family and, and help them and add value to their daily life. Where did that really kick off for you and saying, man, we've got to launch this new, I want to wa launch this new line because I'm not seeing anything quite like this out there. You know, that's a, that's a good question. I was a trainer who was just focused on the time for money game back in around 2002, 2003. And I understood that nutrition was a huge part of the game, right? So people were saying, well, fitness is 70% of it. And people were saying nutrition is 90% of it. And then others were saying mindset is 90% of it. And that puts you, you know, well over 200%. And I did realize quickly, you know, coming from the bodybuilding world, 
that nutrition was just so foundationally important. But then I also had a really strong background in the natural health world. And I realized that people were being duped into focusing on their macros, like the whole, if it fits your macros concept that's gotten so big within the CrossFit community and other communities, um, uh, many times are not focusing on what's most important, which is nutritional quality always trumps nutritional quantity. The quality of the food you put in your body always is priority one because the goal isn't just the fat loss, but it's always about longevity and quality of life and the fat loss becomes a byproduct. So I've been, I would say a little bit duped by the bodybuilding supplement industry and everybody pushing and promoting this marketing message. And I jumped on board as well and thought this stuff was great. And then once I started studying ingredients, I realized that there was a problem. And I had a cousin who had a vitamin business that was really successful. And he was like, yeah, you know, you're, you're promoting these other products, but you're not feeling good about it. Why don't you create your own? And, you know, I was in my 20s at the time. And I was like, oh, yeah, you know, whatever. If there's no way. And nobody was really doing that at the time. Uh, this back in, you know, early 2000. And I was like, all right, I'm going to do it. And I went full and put in between 100, 110 hours a week for a few years, quit everything else I was doing and just went all into studying ingredients. And as I was doing this, I focused on, I want something that tastes good enough that little kids will like it. And it will be healthy enough that you could feed it to little kids as well as feed it to world-class athletes, something that can meet the criterium of both. And so going through that process, half of my demo groups were kids and the other half of my demo group were a combination of busy moms and world-class athletes. And, you know, the world-class athletes and the naturopaths, they were all sticklers on the ingredient quality. And the kids would lie about everything except for taste. Kids yep. will just, you know, <laughs> being, a being a father, I really just know that kids will look at stuff and they'll be like, okay, um, I'm, I'm really doing this or I'm really over here. But if you give them something they don't like the taste, they're going to shove it right back in your face and say no. So it took us nine formulas in a year and a half to be able to meet both of those criteria. And I've actually kept that same philosophy since the last, you know, what, we're almost 14 years in the business where anytime we come up with something new, we've got kids as half of our demo group just telling us their honest feedback and honest opinion on, does this thing taste really good? And uh, to me, that was just imperative is that we come out with something that my most important thing, and I looked at this in formulating this product, um, was there's nothing more important than legacy. So is this something that I can create the best quality, best tasting, highest quality ingredients that I could really stand behind, feed my own kids, feed my own family? Because guess what? You typically, when you start businesses like this, you're not taking a salary for the first one or two years. So given that, I'm going to be in a little bit of a will work for food mode. So I'm going to be drinking this stuff two, three times a day. And I'm going to be feeding this stuff to my family. And I did. And at the end of the day, it was something that I could truly stand behind. And I had a lot of opportunities to go the other route and rip myself off. I had companies coming to me, some of the biggest supplement companies out there say, your stuff tastes awesome. Can we get a distributor cost? of X, which ended up being about 50% of my manufacturing costs to do volume and being, you know, those would have been multi-million dollar opportunities. And they're like, yeah, well, we're going to have to use artificial ingredients and sweeteners. And I just refuse to. 
because I studied too much about them and I understood the long-term effects that came from putting that chemical garbage in your body. And I really don't want to be a human guinea pig. And that's really the problem when you start messing with those artificial sweeteners and artificial flavors is you really are a human guinea pig. They haven't been studied long-term for the safety and efficacy of putting them in your body. Uh, and then all of a sudden, one day, people are ending up with all these different types of cancers and cancer rates are growing. And there's not a clear distinction that this causes that. But I just knew that it wasn't something I ever wanted to uh, be that human guinea pig on for myself or my family. I, I like that. And I, I think it's interesting. One of the most interesting things learning about you is, as we've talked is the fact that you had kids testing it. And the reason I bring that up is because youth and youth sports have come up on this season of the podcast quite a bit with different coaches and sports psychologists and leaders because of the things that that we interact with and participate in as youth greatly impact the rest of our lives. Nutrition being a huge component of that. I know when I was young, I had a race car of a metabolism and couldn't put on weight to save my life. But then I look back at my nutrition and like, I would die in a minute if I did what I used to do. I, I laughed that I would eat two sprinkled donuts and a Red Bull before football practice. And if I did that before, like a, slow style, bro lift, bicep curls, bench press, I might just puke today. And, and so I didn't have any sense of nutrition until I was graduating high school and started working with a nutritionist and really started to understand it a little bit more. And so you obviously, that's a key component to what you guys do from not only taste, but the type of quality products you're putting into kids because you want it something that your family can have and you want your kids to have. Obviously, I think as as active and proactive as you are in the health and fitness space, you have, you are very intentional about the things that you introduce your children to and work with your kids on uh, from nutrition to fitness to general activity. What is something you wish you had learned as a kid earlier on that you did not pick up until later in life, whether it's a habit or a skill um, or a style of training that you're like, man, I wish I'd known this when I was younger. Oh, that's, that's an easy one. How to flirt. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and actually it, flirting to me, it was, it was that like, I read like 60 to 70 books a year. I'm always reading a lot of audiobook when I'm traveling and moving. I tried to turn my car into a mobile library. And all these really deep personal development books are phenomenal. But one of the best books I ever read wasn't until my sophomore year of college, where my sister-in-law got me this book from Spencer's Gift called How to Flirt. And it really went over the concept that flirting is not just about hitting on other people to get what you want. It's all about learning how to smile, make eye contact, focus on a conversation and make other people feel good about themselves. So I remember reading and applying this book as a sophomore. And the reason I was given it was because I was always told I just had a little bit too much angst, right? I'm listening to Henry Rollins and Eminem and just hardcore music and training hardcore, but I don't think I smiled much back then. So I learned how to flirt. I read that book and I would start, I remember practicing in the grocery store I'm like, all right, I'm going to talk to everybody in this grocery store and just focus on complimenting people and making them feel good about themselves. And I did that. And it was almost just like I just found, you know, 
the secret to life out. It was mind blowing how effective it was. And all of a sudden, I think it just made a radical change to my personality around 20 years old. And I sat back and I was like, ah, okay. I wish I would have known this back when I was like six. And I feel like my daughter just inherently has that as a six-year-old kid right now and just knows how to make other people feel good about themselves. I wish I would have learned how to flirt back then. Okay, so now I'm going to flip it. What is the one thing you wish your daughter would remember you teaching her? When she's older and looking back, what do you want the one thing for her to remember besides the fact that she's loved and cared for? What do you want her to look back and remember that you taught her? I really focus on both of my kids. You know, I've got a three-year-old son, a six-year-old daughter, and I focus really hard on teaching them the power of both gratitude and loving yourself. So like when my son is sitting here and he's like, I love mom, I love dad, I'm my sister, I love, you know, his name's Brayden, I love Brayden. I'm like, good. I'm like, like, it's just the idea of unconditional love for yourself. And I think that transfers into fitness and nutrition so hard. I always say that your body is a reflection of your self-worth and that all too often when people screw up and they have a cheat meal, which I try to plan into everybody's programs in an hour to devour, like, or they miss the gym, they spend so much time beating themselves up and amplifying it like they had just, you know, broken into somebody's house and stole their stuff. I'm like, it's all right. You ate some crappy food. Big deal. It's okay. You missed a workout. I'm like, like, you don't want, he was perfect on his diet written on your tombstone. You know, all of these things are about improving your quality of life. And then that other side of it, of just utmost gratitude. Um, I think when I see my daughter freak out and spaz about something, which is going to happen when you're six, it's going to happen when you're adult too, is like, okay, step back. What are you grateful for? And we do that every single night. Just, I want you to go over what you're grateful for, but slow down and do it in a mindful way. I don't want her just to list things out. And again, there's no age where all of a sudden you become an adult. It's not like at 18, like, oh, those chemicals that you can't have as a kid are now good for you. Or like, okay, well, now your body changes, so you have to take things with responsibility. Like, it never changes. We're all just big grown-up kids. So why not implement these things as young as you can and just instill them so they become subconscious? Dude, I love that. I love that. Great wisdom for everyone listening and, and things that we can immediately start applying uh, or doing better in our own lives as we strive to be better than yesterday. Kyle, where can people get connected with you? Where can people check out Fit365? What are some ways that we can start learning more about you after the show? Awesome. Well, first off, appreciate it. Love this medium. Love everything you guys are doing. So thank you for having me. Um, the best ways to connect with me is just uh, through social media. Go to at uh, Real Kyle Brown, uh, Facebook or Instagram, uh, and also at Fit365 uh, to check out the shakes and uh, reach out to me anytime. Uh, I don't set up set up a lot of barriers, so I'm I'm here to help. I'm here to serve, and the more people I can serve, the better. So thank you. Man, I, this has been an absolute pleasure, and for everyone listening to the show. I am by no means sponsored, affiliated, or advertising, but I will hype up the caramel coffee fettuccino protein that I've had of Fit365. 
Uh, I've had it at least once a day for the last week, if not twice on some occasion. So uh, connect with Kyle, check out all the great stuff he's doing. And most of all, start applying some of this great wisdom and insight he has shared with us today. Kyle, thanks for joining the show. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Compete Every Day podcast. To learn more, visit CompeteEveryDay.com. To connect with Jake or contact the show, email us at podcast at CompeteEveryDay.com. And as always, keep competing every day to be better than you were yesterday.